We want to welcome all of our listeners to another episode of Minority Report Podcast with Eric and Carell. Each episode, we talk with leaders in business, tech, and media. And today's episode is sponsored by Marketing Edge, a national nonprofit committed to shaping the future of marketing leadership by connecting students, academics, and professionals to the resources and relationships they need to see, move, and stay ahead. Today joining us is Dr. Steve Iacovelli, who's owner and principal of Top Dog Learning Group, aka the Gay Leadership Dude. Let's jump in and get to know Dr. Steve. Welcome. How are you? Hello, guys. Nice to see you. We're thrilled you're here. We're excited to hang out with you for a little bit. So thanks for making the time for us. Sure, sure. Dr. Steve, tell us a little bit. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up? Where were you born and raised? Yeah. So I started my life journey in the burbs of Philadelphia. So that was kind of like my main city that I hung out with as a child and then made my way to central Pennsylvania for undergrad, headed down to Orlando for time number one right after undergrad to work for Mickey. And then things progressed. I ended up moving back up to Pennsylvania, then boomeranged back to Orlando for time number two with a completely different job. A couple of years here. And then I went to grad school in Ohio. And then oddly enough, as my friends now call me Boomerang, I made my way back to Orlando thrice. And it was a good thing because on Monday, I moved down here. And on Friday, I met my now husband of 23 years. So it was clearly meant to be my timing was just a little off. That's awesome. <laughs> That's great. So going back and forth and actually becoming the Boomerang, Um, Tell us a little bit about how that impacted you. You know, they're very different sort of places. How did that shape who you are today? You know, the thing I love about living in different places, and and I've lived a couple other places, you know, abroad a few times. And every time you live somewhere different in a new culture, a new city, you just, you pick up the nuances of those things. You know, for example, I mean, now it's been... 20 plus years collectively, even more so. But I finally dropped the use guys for the most part. Once in a while, I'll creep in now and again. And I say, y'all, and, and that's just how we say it, even here in Central <laughs> Florida. So it's, but little things like that, you know, I spent a good bit of time actually working on a cruise ship. And I work for Disney Cruise Line. And you, you hang out with these people from all these other countries. And I, I kind of, magpie their things like I say pear shaped and you know and people are like what's that I'm like oh it's Australian for things like going all the heck and so it's like these little things that you pick up not just from language but also different cultural uh, aspects you know understanding what it's like what a buckeye is from living in Ohio now and it's it's not just a poisonous nut it's also a really tasty treat so little things like that I think are the cool part about living in different places and really you know, gathering those cool parts of different cultures that's great. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing for work these days. What's going on on the work side? Yeah. So what I do is, as you said, I'm the owner principal of Top Dog Larry Group. And, and I like to think about our doghouse as kind of sitting in the center of three different but very complementary areas. We play around with leadership and organizational development. We focus on diversity, inclusion, and belonging very appropriate here. And then we play yeah. around in change management and resiliency. And, and actually, a lot of times, it's all three. You know, you, you can't facilitate change without understanding the leadership part of it, usually having that sense of belonging within the workplace. And we do things like formal training, both virtual and face-to-face or face-to-face when we can do those. And we do coaching sessions, off-the-shelf solutions, straight-up coaching stuff. And we primarily work with large Fortune 500s. Is kind of our main gig, large not-for-profits as well, primarily in North America, but most of those are usually global presence anyway. And, and it's it's been really awesome. I've been so fortunate that Top Dog Learning Group, you know, I, I, I started it as a part-time venture with a friend as a side hustle, actually, when we were at Disney. And then I 
kind of kept it going. And then I took it full-time in 2008, which was a fantastic time to start a business. But hey, it worked out well. And flash forward to 2021, and we're still still rocking and rolling. That's fantastic. Can you tell us about the gay leadership dude? <laughs> I love it. Can you tell us about that? Well, the, the fun thing about that title is you know three things immediately about me. The first is... <laughs> I'm gay. <laughs> the second is I self-identify as a dude. And the third is, of course, I, I play a lot with leadership and in the leadership space. And it actually started when my book, Pride Leadership, was coming out. My publisher, who is just this amazing marketing whiz, and she, she was saying how, you know, you, well, you have your business brand, you have a personal brand. I'm like, no, I don't. Should I? Mm. She's like, you should. So that was kind of thinking through what would be the, the smart thing. And I just kind of came up with the gay leadership dude, which is funny because my publisher, she's like, well, that's funny you do that because I actually used to go by the professional lesbian. I'm like, ah, oh, that's pretty funny. <laughs> they kind of compliment each other. So it's actually cool because you know when I'm doing the keynotes and all that fun stuff, people immediately know some things about me. And, and also too, as a white cisgender dude, I do like people to know that I am from a minority group. I am from a disenfranchised group and and you know let's talk from that perspective versus like oh you're the privileged white dude well gotcha. that's sadly yes there's that part of it and then you add the gender on it but then there's also a whole other facet to me that that can relate to all of us others out there mm-hmm. that's great steve i actually want to ask you a little bit about pride leadership and yeah. what, what that sort of means tell us about that so my book, Pride Leadership Strategies for the LGBTQ Plue Leader to be the King or Queen of Their Jungle, was kind of my book, baby. It's technically my third book, actually, but the first is a dissertation, which no one will read, but it's there, you know, hey. Um, this, this, and then the second one is I, I did try to go down the path of self publishing a book called Overcoming Poopy E Learning, which my doctor, <laughs> thank you for laughing. That's my <laughs> yeah, and My doctorate's actually in instructional technology and distance education, which 2020, 21. That's kind of interesting. But, you know, I got it in 2005. And so I I went down the path of trying to create a a cheeky, accessible book with the poopy e-learning. And I know a lot of people have some great success with self-publishing. I did not. (laughs) So it was a hot mess, but it was done. And then um, I'm at a conference and I meet this woman, actually said awesomely, awesome marketing guru, my publisher, Jen, but we're sorting business cards and, and she strikes up a conversation. She's, what do you do? Oh, consulting, blah, blah, blah. I said, how about you? She said, I'm a publisher. I said, you know, there's a book in my head that needs to come out because I work with leaders all the time. And you know, she's like, let's get that book out. And so that's kind of how the process started. Ooh. But it was going to be like a generic you know, leadership book for the masses. So I'm, I'm trying to think, you know, like, what are the things I see people work well in the leadership space, people who don't work so well and what they do or don't do. And then I started looking around at all of the LGBT leaders that are in my world. And, and like many of us, I do advocacy work and social justice things. And then uh, do y'all remember Sex in the City? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so for those who don't, Carrie Bradshaw would always sit down at her little Mac and say, I couldn't help but wonder. And so that kind of rung in my head. And as I'm putting this leadership book together, I'm like, I couldn't, I, I can't help but wonder, do queer people, using the general term, have an opportunity to flex their leadership muscles just differently than our straight brothers and sisters? And so that was kind of the lens I put pride leadership through. And so it became more of a uh, less of a generic, more of a focus on the LGBTQ plus community. But the feedback I'm receiving is allies love my cheeky dad jokes with a side of uh, leadership theory in there. And so that's kind of the the focus. And and it really is looking at just six competencies that are part of the book 
thinking about you know, your authenticity, having leadership courage, engaging in empathy, effective communication, fostering relationships, and then shaping culture. And so those are the lenses or the six competencies that we focus on. Gotcha. And Steve, I, I wanted to also ask you, you touched on it a minute ago, right? So you are a part of a privileged group, right? But then you are also part of an underrepresented group, right? And so I'm curious to know how that intersectionality sort of plays into either your book or your leadership style. In all of it. So that's, that's yeah. a fantastic question. I think what it does is it, since I happen to have the competencies listed here, <laughs> the empathy is an awesome one because, you know, being that other and, but spending a lot of my life as not that other, you know, and then turning things around, you know, having very different experience, getting bashed, all that fun stuff mm-hmm. that comes with the otherness. You know, you really start to understand or at least try to understand the differences that my female colleagues have or my brothers and sisters of color or whatever that looks like. So I think there's that. But then the privilege part is the really understanding allyship. And so how do you channel that position, that privilege and advantage to help all of the others? And so, you know, while I'm seeing my straight brothers and sisters do it for me, awesome sauce, what can I do for my differing abilities or my black and brown brothers and sisters to help lend my voice to help their voices be better or support them to get their back if that's the the right allyship position to have. Mm, mm, Okay. Okay. And as an author and as well as an owner of your own business, right? What do you love about what you do day to day? I love being the IT guy all the time. No, <laughs> and, and shout out to all my IT friends because I love by, by the way, that has never been said on this podcast. <laughs> we are 80, 80 plus episodes deep. And that's the first time we've heard that answer. <laughs> um, no, in all sincerity, uh, what I love about it is, is charging my own path. I, and the blessing and the curse of, of solopreneurship. And, and, I, and I have a army of awesomeness, as I call it. I'm my top doggers, my consultants who do stuff. But it's really thinking, okay, so where's top dog going to go today? Mm. What's the gay leadership dude going to talk about today? And I love that exciting opportunity. It's scary as heck, as many of you listening will know. But I think that's that's kind of part of the fun. And then to paraphrase uh, Steve Jobs, you know, I, I want to make a ding in the universe. And so... As a keynote speaker, as an author, you know, my, my jam is how can I help create consciously inclusive leaders? And that's really where I try to focus my energy. And yes, it can be just for the queer folks or just leaders in general. That, that doesn't matter. The story is still the same. If we're consciously inclusive as a leader, we're not only much more effective, but we make the world kind of a lot better. And that's yeah. kind of my hope. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'm sure you've gotten this question before, probably a lot over the last year. I know Eric has. I know I have as well, too. What do you say to people when they come up to you and and say, I want to do something. I want to improve diversity, equity and inclusion. I'm just not sure where to start. Like, yeah. What do you say to folks? <laughs> yeah, I hear that a lot too. Yeah, just a little bit. And, and I'm sure your listeners do as well. Yeah. You know, I, I think the first thing is you get your own house in order, is, is my recommendation <laughs> first. With the work that I do on, on creating consciously inclusive leaders, it starts with, well, what unconscious biases do you have? Well, I don't know. They're unconscious, Steve. Ah, there's a starting point. You know, let's go to Project Implicit. Let's like explore what are some of those potential unconscious biases that can get in the way of you doing the good work that you want to do. But, mm-hmm. you know, intention is fantastic. Let's get some knowledge and then kind of work your way from that starting point. Steve, I want to ask you a little bit about your life experiences mm-hmm. and your confident. You're positive, but I'm sure you've, you've gone through some moments 
where things weren't always so positive. <laughs> and, and what I mean by that, you mentioned some of the things like bashing or being bashed. And can you talk to us a little bit about some of those experiences and what that's been like? And you mentioned, you know, your husband of 23 years. I'm sure there's been moments that were difficult for you. So can you talk to us about some of that and, and how you handle some of those issues? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and I think it's a, a one that a lot of us face in this other space, if you will. It rhymes. It's kind of cool. You know, the most recent stuff was actually with relationship to my book. I haven't had to ever, you know, this is a big blessing. As a business, I've never had to advertise. It's all been, you, you get a couple of those clients and then they tell two friends, they tell two friends, you know, mm. shampoo commercials. So it wasn't until 20 really 2019 when Pride Leadership was coming out, no pun intended for a gay leadership book. But you know, my publisher's like, you know, you really need to start marketing this like to the masses, not, you know, I typically go B to B. She's like, you need to go B to C, right to the consumer. I'm like, you're right. So I started doing some things, you know, put a Facebook page out there for the gay leadership dude and started doing a little bit of ads. It was incredible the amount of hate that's out there mm. when they receive a message from the gay leadership dude. And, and I, I put that because I actually, years ago, do have a background in, in PR and marketing. It's actually my undergrad. Now, it was a little different in the 90s versus now, you know, social media, but I, had, I get the concepts. And so I'm, I'm using Facebook ads. And, you know, in my criteria, it's like people certain ages living in certain countries, you know, English speaking because of the book is English in English. You know, and I had things like they like RuPaul's Drag Race. They go to Pride events. I mean, it was pretty darn targeted toward the queer community. But still, I'm getting these people who are just, you know, doing these horrible posts on my Facebook page because it's it's a public page. I mean, it has to be. It's for the public. And at first, it really, really upset me because I am blessed enough to be surrounded by a lot of love. And you know, my family that is part of my bloodline, my family that I've earned and collected along the way, they are insanely supportive. And that's where I get a lot of my energy, my positivity. So now here's these blips of, that are coming into my bubble that are pretty not cool. And so it really rattled me at first. And then I started thinking it, then the logical side of me, I let my emotions do their thing, put them on the side for a second and said, let's think about this. How are they getting into this feed? And so it was really easy for me to take a screenshot of the criteria. And I just simply respond, you know, more love, less hate. I mean, Orlando, we, that's our, our motto, you know, Orlando strong, all that good stuff. And really showing the people, you know, this is the criteria that got you into this bucket. So you might want to relook at your house versus like putting it out online. And I think that's a good general term that describes how I've approached life with those adverse times is that, you know what, it, this is more about you than it is me. And you go have a think, I will be over here with my bubble of love and we'll just kind of go from there. That's awesome, Stephen. And I think for shouts to people who are always encouraging, supportive, you can see it works. You can see we feel it. Mm -hmm. You can see Absolutely. that it matters. So Absolutely. for anyone listening that always is just encouraging people and, and being supportive, uh, you can see it works. I wanted to ask you, you know, but you mentioned a few people that have been being surrounded by love and being surrounded by good people that have been uh, inspiring or helpful. Who are some of those people? Are they family? Are they folks you've worked with, or perhaps yes. your husband? Or all, all of, oh, I guess I guess I have to say Richard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, luckily, he, he's not home, so he can't hear me in the, the guest room slash his office. Now. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I'm really fortunate. I have so many. My family has, of course, always been there, and you know, we just had a lovely long family Zoom last night for the the holiday weekend, which was nice. I taught my parents Zoom, which you know they're 
they're only 75. They're not old and they're fairly tech. Okay. But you know, they're now really into it. I got them a light, you know, it's cool. Um, <laughs> but, uh, well, side note, my dad's insanely creative, especially he does woodworking as like a project. And so the very first time we had a FaceTime call at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, finally at the end of the call, I'm like, dad, I love you. Please get a stand or something because I'm tired of looking up your nose. And he's like, <laughs> and he's, he's like on it. And literally like, the next week, He's like, oh, you're calling. And he does something and he made a stand in his wood shop. I'm like, how did you do that? He's like, I don't know. I just did this part. I'm like, you're crazy, incredible. It's awesome. That's- but my parents are, are pretty cool. My family's cool. And, and, you know, the one thing that I've learned about being gay is that, you know, families aren't always supportive. And so I'm insanely fortunate. Mine is, Richard's is, I mean, we have, it, we're, we're lucky. I know that. But I've also realized that within our community, much like other ones, you create the family that you want. And that's going to support you. And so, you know, along the way, I have my gay brothers and sisters and, you know, and we have a supportive network. And I think now more than ever, that's been super important with COVID, with the pandemic going, doing its thing. You know, I pretty much almost lost my entire business last April, like so many of us have Mm. or almost did. And so that that support network has been really fantastic. And those cheerleaders really can egg you on in those not so cool times. I hear you. I hear you. Interested to know, Steve, going back to your business for a second, what led you to founding your own business? <laughs> so in 2002, I was at Disney Cruise Line and I was taking over the role. It's a, like an internal consultant role, basically. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what I do now, but it was just for the folks internal. So I'm, I'm shadowing this woman named Ruth and we're on one of the Disney ships and She's like, we should have dinner tonight. I'm like, um, we're on a seven-night voyage doing consulting. There's not a whole lot going on. We were going to have dinner anyway. She's like, no, no. She's like, let's go, to, let's go to the spa and have a chat. And side note, if anyone who's ever worked for a cruise line, you see your coworkers in swimsuits a lot. It's weird. Because like, you know, it's just weird. But you know, it is what it is. Cruise lines and lifeguards, I guess. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yes. Recreational <laughs> focused area. So we're sitting in the sauna and uh, she's like, we should start a business. I'm like, well, we have jobs. She's like, no, we'll just do a side hustle. And I was like, well, that could be interesting. So we went to our, our senior HR leader and said, you know, Patty, here's what we want to do. She's like, thank you for coming to me. First of all, that's awesome. Don't use Disney stuff. Don't use Disney time. Have fun. We're like, cool. So we started Top Dog as a part-time gig. And it, it was really more of an excuse for Ruth and I to meet once a week, drink some wine, say how we're going to conquer the training world. And we, we had a couple clients here and there. Well, then to late 2007, I found myself in between jobs. We'll use that euphemism. And uh, I you know, was trying to figure it out. I was doing some, um, applying for some roles. And I'm like, you know, I have this whole infrastructure of a business. Let's give it a go. Mm-hmm. And so early 2008, I put the full-time shingle out there and then knock on wood, I got some pretty strong clients, even in that weird economic climate. You know, flash forward to 2021, we're still rocking and rolling. It hasn't always been smooth sailing, of course. But you know, I've been really fortunate that I mean, some of our, our first clients we ever had are still a client to this day and mm. different fun training things for them. And that's been really really cool, but it's also been very rewarding. Yeah. That people still keep wanting to, you know, hang out in the doghouse and see how we can make them better. Awesome. Awesome. You mentioned last year and and obviously last year was a year like no other for a lot of people, especially business owners. And I'm curious to know from you, Steve, what got you through last year? What kept you going with the business and you still being here today with Top Dog Learning Group? 
I shouldn't say wine. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wine and lots of walks with my dogs. No, um, I, I mean, it's just like so many of us, you just become resilient. And you mm. know, that's one of the things we teach. So it's kind of one of those physician heal mm. thyself kind of things. Yeah. You know, for me, the business setup, our biggest thing was face-to-face training. You know, we would have a handful of year-long contracts we do and renewed every year where we go on site and do training for specific clients and usually Fortune 500 kind of folks. And so in the normal years, that's fantastic. You know, reoccurring revenue every month. It's either me or my team going, awesome. And we usually sell for the year by February. So mm-hmm. we know revenue generation for the entire year, which is, you know, that's a nice position to be in. Yeah. Well, of course, COVID hit. March, people were like, what's going on here? By April, all of our big clients said, yeah, you're not coming here this year. And it's like, and so that was everything. I lost yeah. the entire sales year. And, you know, it's it's ironic that my doctorate's in instructional technology and distance education, but that wasn't the main part of our business. We would do a little things here and there, but that became like, I hate the word pivot, but that's really the only appropriate word now. Yeah. And so we really did a lot of Okay, well, let's let's move to the Zoom world because we were already there, but we just didn't really do it pervasively. And so it was pretty easy to not just turn on the dime for us as a business, but then we also went from a service leadership perspective. And I specifically said, okay, I'm going to be better off because of this. What can I do to help others? And you know, little things like I have a, a webinar I used to do on how to give webinars, which is so metadata. <laughs> I mean, I made that a couple of years ago for a client. I own the intellectual property. I'm like, well, well, to heck with this. I just dusted it off, updated it, and started doing those for free for people to help them adjust to the world of Zoom. I took one of our uh, classes on being resilient in times of change. Oddly enough, very timely. I turned it into a self-paced training program and was was giving it out to people like here. You might want to benefit from this. And so those combination of you know focus on the business, but also give back to those who are really struggling yeah. was really what kind of inflated both our bottom line, but also our souls as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. Really good to hear. And yeah, I think that the businesses that were successful last year, I think did exactly what you just said, right? There had to have been that line between sort of, you know, giving away some content while at the same time, still watching your bottom line as well, too. So curious to know from you, Steve, if there's anyone that's out there right now thinking about starting their own business, just about to start their own business, maybe in that first year, what advice would you give to them? I would give them three pieces of advice. The first is it's absolutely never too early to start thinking and defining your corporate culture. So when it's beyond just you, what's the culture like? What are your values as a business? The second is don't underestimate the power of good marketing. <laughs> Whether you have it or outsource that, that's your engine that keeps keeps things kind of flowing through. And the third would be thinking about the brand. So it's different than the culture. It's the brand positioning that you want. And as a kind of a 3.5, it is absolutely not a bad thing to niche your business. Even if you think you're going to cut out market, don't. Niching is a fantastic way to throw yourself up to the top of the pack when you might be doing the same thing. I mean, Gay Leadership Dude, for example. There's a lot of great leadership consultants out there. I work with a lot of them. But there's only one Gay Leadership Dude. And that's not an accident. And so those little things can really go far into really, you know, not just starting your business engine moving, but mm. keep keep those engine kind of coming back for more. Mm. Love that advice. Love that advice. Yep. All right. Fun question. I love asking every guest that we have on the podcast, which is to name the top three apps that you use on your phone, but they can't be email, text messaging, or calendar. 
<laughs> Ooh, can I look at my phone? Just yes, you my can. Okay, yes, cool. You can. Right, so, um, I always ask the question, who's on your wallpaper on your phone? Uh-huh. <laughs> so I would say the first one is my Hue lighting system. So I have all the Wi-Fi lights all around. And so I'm oh, constantly cool. monkeying around with those, which drives my husband one? crazy. Yeah. It drives <laughs> my husband crazy because normally I'm on the road a lot. And sometimes I'll just get, you know, I'll be like at dinner somewhere random and I'll just get on the app and change the colors of the house lights <laughs> to like purple. And he's like, stop it. So yeah. <laughs> just cheeky little thing. Um, I think the second one would be, <laughs> uh, I was just going to say, my Delta app, I just saw that, but I laughed because <laughs> I'm not using that one right now, but it used to be one of them. Yeah. I would say that really playing around with, can I use mes- Facebook Messenger? Is that acceptable? Uh, we'll let that one go. Uh, yeah, that's okay. acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly because a lot of family and friends, you know, I, I would throw in WhatsApp in there as a, yeah. the same same time, just because I have a, friend, a lot of friends in Europe and stuff. And I think the third one is, and this is going to sound nerdy, but it's not meant to be, Spotify. I am a big music junkie. I have a whole smart house, much to my husband's chagrin. But you know, I'm I'm always streaming music everywhere in, in the house and and I'm often like just trying to find like something cool that I've never heard of before. Nothing wrong with Spotify. This podcast is on Spotify. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Steve, thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, a lot of our listeners love to stay in touch and sometimes reach out. So what are some ways that they can find you? Stay in touch. The easiest way is our main website, topdoglearning.biz, B-I-Z. There you can find more about me and my team, the books that I have out there, some of our free training classes. We have what we call learning tapas, little bite-sized nuggets of learning. Uh, and there's some, a bunch of free ones out on our website as well. And then there's a way to get on my calendar or send me an email just to say hello. Excellent. Well, for our friends at Marketing Edge, thanks again for sponsoring the podcast. And you can find more episodes where you find all of your audio and video. Just search Minority Report Podcast and look for the logo. Thanks, Dr. Steve. Thank you. Be safe.